Thank you for joining us for Bridge Church Online. Ephesians 2, 4 through 5 says, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our sin. Let's celebrate the freedom we have in Jesus. I was buried beneath my shame. Who could carry that kind of weight? It was my turn till I met you. I was breathing, but not.
God, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that surrounds us, that goes before us, that's with us every single step that we take in life. Just right there at home right now, just in your own way, just maybe you want to say it right out loud. Just thank God for his goodness. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being so, so good to me. Come on, one more time. Just express your gratitude to God. Thank you, Lord, for saving me, for reaching me, for delivering me, for meeting me right where I was, God. I have so much to be thankful for. You know, we say all the time that we don't just praise God and worship God for the things that he's done, but we praise God and worship God for who he is. I think sometimes it's so good for us just to stop and remind ourselves that God, or excuse me, good is not just what God does, but good is who God is. Everything about God is good. God is good even when times are difficult. God is good even when the things that surround our life appear to be bad. God is good even when the circumstances that we're dealing with seem to be impossible. In the midst of the difficulties that we might find ourselves in, God is still good. Right now in this moment as we're in the atmosphere of faith and and in the presence of God, it's just amazing when we lean into the goodness of God how everything else that's going on in the world just seems to fade away. I just want to encourage you right there for a moment where you are. Before we move on in our service, let's just take one more moment thank God for his goodness. Let's just allow everything else in life to disappear for a moment and just focus in on his goodness. Father, we thank you again for all that you are and all that you do for us in our lives. We recognize that we have absolutely nothing in this life if it is not for you and for your goodness and kindness in our life. So we lean into you today, Father. We ask that you would be our strength, that you would be our shield, our protector, our provider, our source, our refuge, God, in the life that we are living today, no matter what we might be dealing with. And we look to you because we know that your character is good. No matter what might be happening in the world around us, we can look to you and lean into that and find your shelter and your protection in every area of our life. Thank you for being so good to us. To the end of our life and to the end of the age, generations will echo of your goodness. We join in that course today declaring your goodness and faithfulness over our lives. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, we're so thankful that you've tuned into service today. It's going to be an awesome day in the house of God together, in your house, right here in this house as we join together. We're really excited for everything that God is doing in your life and in the life of our church. So before you get comfortable... Go ahead and make that second cup of coffee. Grab your kids, bring them in, get them ready for bridge kids. Let's check out what's happening in church life, and then we'll get into God's Word today. Hey, Bridge family, we're so glad that you're joining us today for Church Online. Before we get into the message, we want to keep you up to date with what's going on in church life. We look forward to being able to meet in person again on Sunday mornings. But until then, we're excited for the opportunity to connect with you online throughout the week. Here's a look at what's going on here at The Bridge. We hope you'll join us and stay plugged in. Hello there, Bridge Church family. Gavin Gizmo here. And I just want to remind you that today is the last day to register your kids for Fast Forward, our Bridge Kids online summer experience starting July 6th through the 9th. Don't miss out on this opportunity where each day is going to be filled with games, crafts, 
skits, and stories from the Bible that will help us draw closer to God. Registration packets will be available for pickup just before or immediately following our outdoor service tonight at 6 p.m. in front of the church building. So visit our website and get the kids signed up before it's too late, and I will see you all online. Ladies and gentlemen, good afternoon. This is the captain speaking. Uh, just about ready to depart. We should be away on schedule in the next couple of minutes or so. Flight time will be 9 hours and 40 minutes. We'll eventually reach a cruising altitude of 35,000 feet. Bridge Youth is kicking off a brand new series entitled On Location. Join us as we travel all over the world, from the Pacific Ocean, to the heart of LA, to Seattle, to the UK, and a ton of places in between. We're excited to hear some short messages from some of our close friends. These messages will be inspired by the amazing places from which they're preached. You do not want to miss this brand new series, On Location. Hey church, we wanted to say thank you for your ongoing participation in our community care program. As a church, we've collected over 7,500 pounds of dry goods, canned goods, and meat. In the last several months, we've had over 135 new families sign up to receive from community care. Distribution happens at 11 a.m. on Sundays in the back of our church building. Just drive through and pop open the trunk, and our friendly team will load groceries for you. If you or anyone you know is in need during the season, we encourage you to come and receive at Community Care. We are here to help. We are so grateful for your response and your generosity during this unprecedented season. Together, we will continue to make a big difference right here in the Temecula Valley. If you want to stay up to date with everything happening in church life, be sure to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. This is the easiest way to get all the info on what's happening from day to day at The Bridge. You can also stay informed by downloading The Bridge app. Just text the keywords The Bridge Church app to 77977. For more general info, log on to our website, thebridgechurch.tv. If you're joining us for the first time and want to find out more about the church, we invite you to go to our website or the Bridge app and click on the Connect tab. There you'll find a digital Connect card where we can help you get plugged in. Just take a moment to fill it out and we'll be happy to connect with you. Thanks again for joining us and here's Pastor Gary with the message for today. Hey, good morning and thank you for joining us today for Sunday morning at the Bridge Church. So glad you've joined us to worship God and, and now to dive into God's word and let God speak into our lives. It is the Independence Day weekend and happy 4th of July. Happy Independence Day to you. Uh, I'm not going to share a message today that's really geared for Independence Day. But yet what I am going to share today is really important, especially in light of our walk with God and our individual spiritual freedom. You know, a few days ago, I was looking at all that's going on in our chaotic world. And a question came into my mind, and I want to begin with this question today. Whatever happened to forgiveness? Whatever happened to forgiveness? 
I teach on forgiveness once a year, twice a year, once every other year as I feel God leads me. We talk about forgiveness, but in this season we're living in, I think it's more important for us to bring forgiveness into our lives and into our daily walk with God than maybe ever before. I want to dive into this topic today because it, it seems to me there are two angles from which forgiveness is seen. The first angle is from the angle of forgiveness we receive. When we receive forgiveness, we, we're on this end and we see it from this angle. But the second angle is the angle from which we release forgiveness. Two different angles, two different views of forgiveness. You know, we tend to receive forgiveness pretty quickly. Most of us do. But we tend to release forgiveness a lot more slowly. This is what I want to focus in on today. You know, by human nature, there seems to be a huge difference between accepting forgiveness and releasing forgiveness. So why do we forgive? Why do we? Why would we forgive? Well, as believers, there's some real clear answers to that question. And I want to begin today in Matthew 18. We're going to look at some things that Jesus said. Matthew 18, we're going to begin reading in verse 21. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Verse 22, Jesus said to Peter, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. You see, Jesus wasn't really talking about numbers, whether it was seven, whether it was 490, or some number in between. Jesus wasn't concerned about the formula of numbers. Jesus is talking about the heart of the issue. He was talking about our willingness to forgive. Peter said, how many times do I have to forgive this guy? Now, I don't know if it's a family member, if it's an in-law, if it's a friend. You know, these people are traveling with Jesus. They're living with Jesus pretty much. These disciples are committed to Jesus. Maybe it was one of the other disciples. But Peter says, how many times do I have to release forgiveness to this person's life? Jesus says we always need to be willing to forgive. But then... As you go on, Jesus tells a story after this, and I'm not going to read all the story, but I'm just going to condense it to save time real quickly. Jesus tells this story about an ungrateful servant. And Jesus said there was this king, and he decided, you know, I'm going to go to everybody in my kingdom, and I'm going to make them settle debts with me. There are a lot of people who owe me. I'm going to collect my money and get what's rightfully mine. I'm going to settle these accounts so we don't have to worry about them in the future. So as they're going through the accounts, they, they bring in this one guy. And in order to make it understandable in our language today, I'm going to change the numbers. But it, it makes a point because Jesus is using this story to make a point. This king brings this one guy in and he owes the king a million bucks, a million dollars, a big debt. The king looks at it and says, dude, you, you owe me a million dollars. I've let this thing ride long enough. You need to pay me now. And it says that the guy said to the king, please, please, I, 
I don't have the ability to pay this debt. But if you'll be patient with me, please be patient with me. I will repay you all. And at first the king says, no, man, you owe me a million bucks. I'm going to throw you in prison. I'm going to throw your wife in prison, your kids in prison. You're all going to work off this debt if it takes the rest of your lives. And this guy pleads with the king. He says, please, please, please be patient and give us time. We will work it off and we will pay you back. And it says the king was touched with compassion in his heart. He had mercy on the man. He said, you know what? I see your heart. I'm going to forgive this entire debt. Be free. You, your family, you're free of all of it. It's amazing. A million dollars he forgave him. And then the guy goes outside. He's going down the street. He's, he's relieved this debt is gone. And he runs across a friend of him who owes him a hundred bucks. And he says, hey, you know what? Dude, you owe me a hundred dollars. You need to pay me right now. I need that money. I got in trouble with the king. I was in a mess. You need to pay me back right now. The guy says, I, I don't have the money right now, but if you'll be patient with me, I will repay you when I can. The guy gets angry, says no, and he takes him to the prison and has him thrown in prison and says, you stay there until you've worked off that $100 you owe me. And when the debt is repaid, you can go free. Interesting. Jesus is trying to teach about us forgiving others. Skip down, if you would, in the same chapter to verse number 32. It says, Then his master, after he called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And this king, this master was angry and he delivered him to the tortures until he should pay all that was due to him. It's quite a story. But notice the next verse, the point that Jesus makes. Verse 35, Jesus says, so my heavenly father also will do to you, to each of you from his heart. If you don't forgive your brothers their trespasses. See, Jesus uses this story and he uses Peter's question to make a point. Why do we forgive? God demands that we learn to forgive even as he forgives us. And Jesus contrasted the debt of sin that we owe to God with the debt of sin and offense that others might owe us. And the question is, which is greater, the debt we owe God or the offense debt that someone else owes to us? You see, forgiveness really is the release of a debt. God demands we forgive others of their small debts because God is willing to forgive us of an unpayable debt. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. But yet God forgives us of that debt. You see, forgiveness costs something. And it costs God the blood of his son to bring forgiveness to our lives. He nailed our sins to Jesus' cross. And he extends forgiveness to us. And he turns around and says, now you need to learn to forgive others of those smaller debts. When I was a kid... Maybe an older adolescent or a young teenager. There was a song that 
We used to sing back then a little chorus, and it said, He paid a debt he did not owe, and I owed a debt I could not pay. And I needed someone to wash my sins away. But the grace of God intervened and changed everything. God says, I've forgiven you of an unpayable debt. You need to learn to forgive others of smaller debts. You see, Jesus then, then, Jesus ties my future, my forgiveness in the future to my willingness to forgive other people. What he said was, if forgiveness doesn't work this way, then forgiveness won't work this way. That's the message that God teaches us. We need to learn to forgive. And you know, I, and I, as I studied this week, this really came to my heart. First, in our own lives, God demonstrates forgiveness. Next, he demands we forgive as we have been forgiven. And then he offers through his word and through his spirit, he offers to teach us how to forgive. But I want to go on to the next part of this message. And I want to look at Luke 17 as Jesus is teaching on this very same subject of forgiveness. We talked about the fact that we need to learn to forgive. Why do we forgive? Because God demands that we learn to forgive. So how, how do we go about this thing of forgiveness? How do we forgive? Luke 17, I want to look at verse number 1. Jesus said to the disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Notice those words. Verse 2. Jesus says it would be better for him, the offender, if a millstone, a big rock, were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea, then he should offend one of these little ones. Verse 3, Jesus says, take heed to yourselves. Take it to heart. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. In verse 4, and if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. So how do we how do we forgive? God wants to teach us how to forgive. You know, let me address this passage of scripture. First, Jesus warned us. Offenses are going to happen. Things are going to happen in life. People are going to hurt you. People are going to offend you. And for most of us, we're going to hurt some people along the way. Jesus said it's impossible to go through life and have no offenses happen. You're going to create some things and some things are going to be done to you. It's going to happen. But then Jesus says this. He says, woe, woe, woe to offenders. Those who go through life hurting people, offending people, running into people without any care, concern for those around them. Let me tell you something. God knows our hearts. And if we're one of those people that just runs around hurting people, being angry and just bowling over people, if that's us, God keeps track of that. God takes note of the offenses that we create. And, you know, I've known people through the years who are, 
you know, pretty arrogant offenders. I, I know people that very few people like because they're just arrogant in their willingness and desire to offend others. And, and I've known some people even in church life. And you say, even in church life? Well, of course, because offenders need Jesus too. They need their hearts and lives changed too. But here's the point. I've known some pretty arrogant people in life who it's almost like in, in the bowling alley of life, they are the bowling ball and everybody else is a bowling pin and their attitude is, you better stay out of my lane. This is just how I'm wired. This is how I'm created. If you get in my way and I run over you, tough. Just stay out of my way. Jesus said, woe to you if that's your attitude because you'll answer to God for how you treat people. It's important to God that we understand. He doesn't want us to go around knocking people over carelessly going through life with no concern for others. But then Jesus also warned us that these offenses that happen in life are a trap. And many times the offended person, not just the offender, but many times the offended person winds up living in a prison of anger, bitterness, hatred, and unforgiveness. It becomes a prison. Unforgiveness is a prison. Anger, bitterness, hatred that stores up, that creates unforgiveness. It's a prison in which an offended person can live. Even though it's not your fault, even though you didn't create the situation, still you can live in a prison if you hold these things in your heart and don't learn to release them. But, on the other hand, the willingness to forgive releases us from that prison. See, there are probably some people listening to this today. You've been live, living in jail. You're, you're in jail. You don't know how to get out. Man, I've been hurt. I'm bruised. Every day I just live with this stuff, and every day gets darker and darker and darker, and I just can't get beyond it. Emotionally, I'm upset. I just look for people that are going to hurt me, and I'm angry at people and those around me. You live in this prison. You don't realize the keys to the door, the keys to the prison door are in your hand. The keys are called forgiveness. Forgiveness releases us from the prison of hurt and pain and offense. You know, forgiveness and the healing that follows really becomes a process in our lives. And there are some specific dynamics that help create this process. And for the next few minutes, I want to talk real briefly about three dynamics that really help create forgiveness. Number one, the first one is repentance. Repentance. You know, repentance begins with an apology. I'm sorry. I was wrong. You know, as, as believers, we need to learn how to be quick repenters. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. When we make mistakes, when we sin, we need to quickly go to God and ask for forgiveness. We need to repent. God will forgive us. But we also need to learn how to quickly go to people when we've wronged them, even if it was unintentional, to go to them and say, 
I'm sorry. I was wrong. It's a part of the process of forgiveness. Repentance. I was wrong. You know, repentance is accepting responsibility for our actions. I was wrong. I did that. I was wrong. Repentance, scripturally, is an inward change in our hearts that produces an outward change of action and lifestyle. I think it's important to God in our relationship with Him and our relationship with other people. It's important for us to learn to take responsibility and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and then adjust our actions and do what's right. That's repentance. My willingness to repent begins the healing process. You know, I've, I've seen it through the years, not just in my own life, in dealing with so many people. If there's no repentance, if there's no apology, if someone doesn't say, I'm sorry, I take responsibility for my actions, if that doesn't happen, forgiveness doesn't happen either. And if we're on the wrong end of this, if we're on the end where we've offended someone, we need to make it right. And it begins with an apology of repentance. So I want to ask you the question today. Ask yourself, have I learned to say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, and I'll prove it to you? Have we learned to do that? That's a part of the process of forgiveness. And, and then I think a second part oftentimes is the idea of restitution. Now, when I say restitution, somebody's going to say, no, wait a minute. God forgave me of my sins. Yes, that's because we owed a debt we couldn't pay. God forgave us of that debt. But when we start dealing with each other, we sometimes need to realize restitution is in order. There's a story in the New Testament in Jesus' ministry. It's in Luke 19. I won't take time to read it all. But in Luke 19, Jesus is going through a community, ministering, traveling down a road. And there's a guy in that town by the name of Zacchaeus. We would call him Zacchaeus. Uh, this guy, Zacchaeus, is a tax collector. And, and you have to understand, in Jesus' days, tax collectors, even though they were Jewish people usually, they worked for the Roman government, the oppressors who were uh, invading their, their territory and dominating their lives. And the people were required to pay taxes to the governors and to Caesar and to Rome, even though they were members and citizens of the nation of Israel. And, and the Roman Empire was greatly resented. And because these tax collectors represented the Romans, the Jews hated the tax collectors. Then to make matters worse, oftentimes these tax collectors were dishonest. They would come to a citizen and say, it's time to pay your taxes. You owe this much in taxes. And then the Jewish person would say, wait a minute, I thought I owed this much. No, it's 20% more than this. You're wrong, it's more. And then they would take the 20% and put it in their own pocket. By dishonesty, they would steal from people. And tax collectors were hated because of their dishonesty as well as representing the Roman government. So this guy, Zacchaeus, he's, he's a tax collector. He's not well-liked by the people, but he wants to see Jesus. He's heard about Jesus. So this man who's hated by the people goes and joins the crowd to see Jesus pass by, to watch his ministry. 
But Zacchaeus is a, is a short guy. He, he can't see through the crowd, can't see over the crowd, can't get a good look. So he goes over and climbs up in this tree and sits on this limb. And he's looking down as Jesus is heading his way. And as Jesus' path goes near to Zacchaeus, Jesus stops and looks at Zacchaeus and calls him by name, though they'd never met. He says, Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree. I want to spend some time with you today. I need to go to your home and I need to be there with you and talk to you for a while. And out of this conversation, it's interesting. Zacchaeus says to Jesus, you know, I believe in you. I believe. And he makes a statement. He says, I'm a wealthy man and I'm going to take half of all that I have and I'm going to give it to the poor. But then he goes one step further and he says, and if I have cheated anybody in my business, if I have cheated and misrepresented anything, I will pay back four times what I've stolen from them. What a statement. And Jesus looked at him and said, you know what? Salvation's come to your house today. Zacchaeus, you get it. Jesus knew Zacchaeus would be no testimony to him if he went the rest of his life and just tried to live nice. He knew he needed to go back and make restitution for the wrongs he had committed. And Zacchaeus, probably without Jesus even bringing it up, knew what was in his heart and he repented and he turned from it and he said, I will make restitution. Restitution is simply making things right. And it's usually even more than words. Words begin it. But restitution continues the process of forgiveness. You see, when I have the ability to pay a debt, I need to do so. You find that throughout Scripture. But when I owe someone something and it's hampered them forgiving me, I need to go make it right when I can. See, that story that Jesus told about the, the servant who was forgiven that great debt. He went to a friend who in time would be able to repay his debt, but he wouldn't forgive him. Even though the man was willing and trying, we need to be willing to go to people we've wronged. And if we owe a debt to the best of our ability, we need to settle those debts. You know, oftentimes when I teach on the topic of forgiveness. I always say this, if you don't believe God answers prayer, I'm going to give you a little exercise that'll prove you wrong. Take a moment right now and ask yourself and just pray and say, God, is there anybody in this world that I have bitterness and hatred and unforgiveness toward? You pray that prayer, I promise you, God will answer it in three seconds or less. Somebody's name, somebody's face will flash in front of you and you realize there's stuff in my heart that doesn't need to be there. Maybe you need to go say, I'm sorry. Maybe you need to make restitution. If that's the case, do it. It'll bring blessing to your life. It'll release you from prison. But then there's one more thing. You know, when you, when you go back and you make restitution, it's like rubbing healing balm on someone's heart. It's like putting medicine in a wound. And maybe we need to do that today. But the third part of this is the word reconciliation. Reconciliation. So there's repentance, there's restitution, and then there's reconciliation. 
And I want to illustrate this to you. Matthew chapter five. Here's what Jesus says, beginning in verse 23. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, if you come to God with the gift for God, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar, go your way, first be reconciled to your brother, and then come and offer your gift to God. It goes back to what we said earlier. If forgiveness is blocked going this way, forgiveness is blocked going this way. Jesus taught it. If we don't forgive, God doesn't forgive. That's a big load to carry, that idea, that concept, that pain of unforgiveness. Jesus taught us about this. We need to live by this. And you know, reconciliation is the rebuilding of trust in a relationship. And I'm going to tell you, sometimes that that reconciliation can be difficult. It can be painful. It will stretch us. But I think it's something that God wants to accomplish in our lives and in our relationships. See, my willingness to open my heart and begin rebuilding trust in a relationship is a picture of God being willing to rebuild relationship when we've sinned against him. Jesus said we need to forgive others the same way God has forgiven us. Years ago, I sat one day with Pastor Roger Brewer, our founding pastor, and we used to sit and talk about scripture and scriptural concepts and church and life. We, we spent hours and hours talking about a lot of things. But one day we were talking about a situation where someone had been really badly hurt. And we were talking about how how this person had been cut so deeply and their whole life direction had been changed by someone wronging them and doing some horrible things to them. We were talking about this idea of forgiveness. And the question came up, how do you forgive something that big? How do you forgive a hurt that's great, that it changes the whole course of your life? I remember Pastor Roger saying, you forgive by faith, and then you keep acting on your faith and you let God help you learn to forgive. With Pastor Roger, everything was about faith, even forgiveness. You start the process. Faith is action. You act on that faith, believing God can bring forgiveness and God will help you complete the process as you walk with him. You see, God... The one who defined forgiveness can teach us how to forgive others. So I want to ask you today, have you, have you really decided, have you made the choice to forgive? Is there anybody that you need to go to and act on rebuilding a relationship, rebuilding trust? Or maybe somebody's come to you, but you've closed the door and you've kept them away and you said, I'll forgive you, but don't get near me. That person's willing, we need to rebuild, reconcile relationship with them. And then the last part of this message, when, when I think about forgiveness and I teach on forgiveness, one of the things that always comes to mind is the story of Joseph. I don't want to take a lot of time because many of you know the story. But, you know, Joseph was the young dreamer. He had all these great dreams that God was showing him. And 
His brothers hated him. He was probably, as a young guy, a little proud, a little arrogant. He was spoiled. He was dad's favorite. And the brothers all hated him. There's a lot to the story, but they couldn't stand him. They ended up wanting to kill him. Instead, they sold him into slavery. You know, he suffered wrong from his own brothers. When he sold into slavery, he is even pushed further down by a spiteful lying woman. He winds up in prison, but eventually, because he stays on the right track with the right heart, he ends up on the throne of Egypt, the second in command over the greatest empire on the face of the earth in that day. It's an amazing story. But you know, there's also the story here when Joseph comes to power, eventually his brothers come to Egypt to buy grain in a time of famine, and they don't recognize Joseph and they're brought before him. It's really a heart-wrenching story if you take the time to go back and read it in the latter part of the book of Genesis. And so Joseph finally, on the third encounter, I believe it was, he begins to reveal himself to his brothers and they have this emotional time where he goes to each one of those brothers and hugs them and they weep and they cry over all that's happened because Joseph, some way, somehow, had forgiven them long before this moment. But now, face to face, he has a chance to tell each one of them, it's okay, I forgive you. And they have a chance to say, I'm sorry for what I did. It's really a heart-wrenching story to read. And then his father comes to the land of Egypt. All of his family comes there, the brothers, all their families. And Joseph, for the rest of their lives, really takes good care of them in Egypt. But what happens is, Joseph's father dies. And when dad dies, not in Joseph's heart, but in the brother's heart, things begin to change. And suddenly the brothers, the ones who are to receive forgiveness, they say, Joseph never really forgave us. He's only pacified us until dad's dead. And you know, now that dad's dead, he's obviously going to want to settle the score. He's going to want revenge. We have had it. He's on the throne. We just live in his land. We are in trouble. So these, these cowards, living in fear and shame and guilt, they send their servants to Joseph with this message. The servants say, um, your brother sent us here to, well, really to manipulate the situation, play the dad card, because your dad told you to forgive your brothers and your brothers wanted us to remind you you're supposed to forgive them. This is years after it's already been forgiven and done. And then the brothers come. The brothers come and they fall on their faces and they bow down before Joseph and they, they, they say, you know what? We'll be slaves to you. We'll be servants in your house. Just don't get even with us. What a sad way to live years of your life in guilt and shame, not accepting the forgiveness that's been extended to you. You know, psychologists tell us that one of the greatest causes, the most common causes of mental and emotional problems today is guilt and shame for the past. And God never intended us to carry that. God wants to forgive you. He wants you to forgive yourself today, right now. The price for your forgiveness has already been paid. 
He wants you to accept it and receive it. If I could, I want to I pray. I'm not quite finished with my message, but I want to pray for you right now. If that's you and you need forgiveness, you're carrying the guilt and the shame of the past. You know you don't know God. You're not right with God. You're not in relationship with him. But your heart today is being stirred and you want to come to God. I want to lead you in a prayer and I want to ask you to just wrap your heart and your words around these words. Let them become your words. Open your heart to God and let him wipe away that guilt and shame. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I open my heart to you and I need your forgiveness. I ask for your forgiveness. Cleanse me. Free me from my sin. I want to be in right relationship with you. I believe Jesus paid for my sins and I accept him as my Savior. I want Jesus to become the Lord of my life. So I turn control to you. I will follow you. From this day forward, you will be my father. and I will be your child. Thank you for receiving me today. Amen. It's the most important prayer you can ever pray in your entire life. And I'll talk to you a little bit more about this in a couple of minutes. But you know the story of Joseph. We talked about receiving forgiveness. We need to learn to for, receive God's forgiveness. But then the other part, when these brothers come and lay out all this stuff, I want you to notice what Joseph did. And you can go back and find it for yourself later on in chapter 50 of Genesis. But it says that Joseph released forgiveness to his brothers earlier. But his response now is this. It says, Joseph again wept. He wept because of the brokenness in his brother's hearts and the brokenness in those relationships. That though he'd been kind to them and forgiven them and loved them, they had never accepted that forgiveness. It broke Joseph's heart and he wept. Then he turned to them and said, don't be afraid. Fear not. Don't live in fear and shame and guilt any longer because I have no desire to have any revenge against you. And then Joseph asked this unbelievable question. And I want you to listen to this today as I conclude this message. Joseph says, am I in the place of God? To his guilty brothers, he said, am I God? Do I have the right to judge what's in your hearts? Are any of us truly qualified to judge the honesty of another person's apology or the intent of their heart? No, only God can do that. Joseph realized only God is qualified to judge. Only God can make that call. Joseph realized, and if you read all the story, he said it on different occasions in different ways. Joseph realized that God's hand of blessing on his life was much more important and much more valuable than the actions of hateful people, even family members. And Joseph said, I'm not going to hold on to that and let that block my relationship with God because God's blessing is many times greater than my forgiveness. I'm going to let it go. Then it says, Joseph comforted them and he spoke kindly to them from his heart. 
Joseph tried to rebuild, reconcile that relationship with his brothers. But what about those who never repent? What about those who never come back and say, I'm sorry, I was wrong? What do we do with that? You know, we may never receive the apology and the restitution we think we deserve. But we must refuse to live in the prison of bitterness and judgment, putting ourselves in the place of God. That's His place, not ours. Back in World War II, there's a story about a, a woman, many of you know her, Corey Tenboom. Pastor Nick referred to her, to her a few weeks ago on a Sunday evening. She was from Holland, and when Nazi Germany began to overrun Europe, they went through Holland, and they began to grab Jews and put them in concentration camps and mistreat them and brutalize them, torture them, and then to murder them. Corey's family began to hide Jews, keeping them away from the punishment of the Nazi war machine. And they, they saved and, and really protected a lot of people in their own home, in a hiding place they'd created there. But eventually they were captured and put in prison. And Corey and her sister were put in this prison camp along with Jewish people and Jewish sympathizers and protectors. In a prison camp where they were not only mistreated, they were paraded around naked in front of prison guards. They weren't fed and those people were just skin and bones with their ribs sticking through the flesh. But eventually, eventually she was released from that prison. And she, as a Christian believer, ended up in ministry for the rest of her life and lived to be, I think, 90, 91 years of age before she went to be with the Lord. But Corey Ten Boom told a story about an event that happened shortly after the war was over. She was in Germany still. She was in Munich speaking in a church and she was talking about the forgiveness of God, how God will forgive us and cast our sins in the sea of his forgetfulness. And as she was speaking, she looked around the room and suddenly a, a face caught her eye. And she stared into this face just a few years removed from prison camp. She saw a man sitting there, balded head, heavy gray overcoat, a brown hat in his hands. But when she saw the face and she saw the man, she looked beyond the gray coat and the brown hat and she saw a man in a blue uniform with a cap, visored cap with a skull and crossbones on that cap. And she recognized he was a prison guard in the very camp where she and her sister had been imprisoned. She remembered having to be paraded naked in front of him as she was mocked and laughed at by her captor. The pain, the torture that she and her sister went through in that prison camp, it all came back and she realized he is one of the captors. She finished her message and when the service was over, this very man walked up to her and looked at her and said, Fraulein, it was so good to hear you speak today about the forgiveness of God. The fact that God has taken our sins and cast them into the sea of forgetfulness to never be remembered again. And he said, I too remember the prison camp where you were. I remember. And he said, I have become a Christian. 
And he stuck out his hand and he said, would you please forgive me? Corey Ten Boom said, all of a sudden, my blood ran cold. My body became stiff. She said, I don't know how long I stood there, but for some period of time, I stood there with this hateful man in front of me. His hand extended. I refused to take his hand. And my mind began to think, I cannot do this. She said, my body was frozen. I cannot do that. She remembered her sister, that naked body with her ribs sticking through her bones. Her sister died in that prison camp. She said, I cannot do this. And she said, I began to pray, God, I can't do this. God, I can't do this. But then she remembered Jesus commanded, you've got to learn to forgive as you have been forgiven. She said, I was frozen. My emotions were set. I could not move. And then I remembered forgiveness is a choice. It's a matter of the will. And if my will will act, my emotions will follow. She said, some way, somehow, I reached out and I put my hand in his hand. And when I did, she said, something happened. A warmth, began to, a warmth began to flow through my shoulder. It went down through my arm. It hit my hands. And suddenly we began to shake hands. And she said, I looked at him and I said, Brother, with all of my heart, I forgive you. And she said, we stood there for the longest time shaking hands, realizing our sins had been forgiven. We were both in the family of God. Is there anybody in your world that needs to be forgiven? Do you need to repent? Is, is there some reconciliation that needs to be taken care of in there? Is there some restitution that needs to be paid? I want to pray for you as we close today. Open your heart to God. Father, we open our hearts to you. Help us. We pray an honest, sincere prayer, sincere prayer. Help us, Father, with our unforgiveness. Help us to forgive. You promised to teach us. We're taking this first step of faith today. Help us move forward. And let this process of healing not only begin, but let it grow and let it be completed with reconciliation with those around us. In Jesus' name, amen. And finally today... There's some actions on your part that need to happen. Don't be afraid of it. It's the key to the prison of unforgiveness in which you live. God bless you today. And then as we finish the service this morning, let me just remind you of a couple things. If you prayed that first prayer, you committed your heart to the Lord and you asked him to forgive you. We want to help you begin this walk with God. This is just the beginning of the journey. It's his forgiveness. Now let's learn how to be his children and walk with him. So we've got a little booklet. It's our gift to you. No strings attached. We'd love to get it to you just to help you start your walk with God. On your screen today, you'll see different ways you can get this. Please respond to us today. Let us help you start your walk with God. And then through this unusual season, and we're updating you every few days through social media, uh, in this unusual season, the work of God continues to go on in your living room, in our church building, in our offices. Sunday evening services have been awesome. Uh, God's ministry is continuing. We're feeding a lot of people every Sunday. We're reaching out and we're able to put more money in missions around the world right now than ever before because of your faithfulness. 
And I'm going to just remind you, God rewards you for your faithfulness in giving. He sees every penny that you give back to him. Your money is being used for his purposes. God bless you today. Thank you for your giving, however you choose to give. And then tonight at 6 o'clock, out on the plaza, we've got a great time planned. It's, it's Independence Day weekend. We've got some special things we're going to be doing. Please join us tonight. We've got a little treat for you as well. It's going to be a great time. We look forward to seeing you 6 o'clock tonight. God bless you. Thanks again for joining us today for Church Online at the Bridge. If you made a decision to follow Christ for the first time or you decided to rededicate your life, we want to help you begin your journey of faith. We have a free gift that we would love to give you called The Next 7 Days. It's just a simple tool that will help you take your next steps. If you'd like to get it, just direct message us on Facebook or Instagram with the words Next 7. You can also click the link right there in the platform that you're watching from. We'll be happy to connect with you and get you this free gift. We're so glad you made this life-changing decision. So once again, congratulations and thank you so much for joining us today. We hope to see you tonight at our outdoor service at 6 p.m. right here at the bridge. Have a great Sunday and a wonderful week.